Welcome back in to the Wednesday Bible Study. I uh, hope you all had a great Christmas and a great New Year. Uh, we certainly had a great vacation here at the Rick and Bubba Show, for those of you that may not know that. Uh, I am co-host of the Rick and Bubba Show. This is the studio, if you're watching on our YouTube channel, uh, where the Rick and Bubba Show goes out to the country and to the world uh, every Monday through Friday, and uh, we do a Wednesday Bible Study here. Uh, it started out as, as mainly, and it still is at its foundation, a men's uh, Bible study, but uh, we we cover many topics that include, uh, you know, uh, that that are genderless, meaning men and women. This is just the call on the people uh, who are followers of Christ. Uh, so it's really turned more into just a Wednesday Bible study. Uh, but we do it every Wednesday live uh, at noon Central Time, one o'clock Eastern. If you're watching this on an archive or listening to it on an archive, and you'd like to catch it live, you certainly can. We're here most every Wednesday, but at the end of the year, we do take two weeks off. And we just did that when we took the, the, the last Bible study uh, of 2020, uh, had us in the second session of a brand new series. It's from the J.I. Packer book uh, called Knowing God. And the concept of this is it's one thing to know about God, uh, and you can know a lot about God, but still not really know God. And we'll get into session three of that today. Let's, let's talk a little bit about 2021. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt right now if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, this is a man church shirt, uh, and this was made by the men of First Baptist Church, Lexington, Tennessee. Clay Hallmark, uh, the pastor there, uh, and uh, and his men, they they're dialed into the, the discipleship strategy of the manchurch.com. They're doing our forty week curriculum. Uh, I was up there to speak to them as some of their you know we have gatherings that that feed into equipping. So we have challenge, then we have equipping, then we have challenge, then we have equipping. Uh, and it's a never-ending discipleship strategy. If you'd like to know more about that for your church, just go to themanchurch.com, and all the information is there. We'll help you any way that we can. Uh, 2021 is going to be active. I'll be headed uh, with Rich Wingo from themanchurch.com and Lee Moore uh, and the team. We're headed to Southeast Missouri this weekend. If you're listening to this or watching it live, we'll be there uh, coming up on the, the, the Man Church one day, coming up on January the 9th which will be this Saturday uh, there at First Baptist Church, Charleston, Missouri. Uh, Man Church One Day is where we take a conference and kind of cram it into one day. So Rich and I will do four sessions, uh, discipling the men. They'll get a breakfast. They'll get a lunch. We'll do a panel where we answer some questions. So we'll give away door prizes. So that's coming up this weekend. If you want to join us, go to BurgessMinistries.com, and you can just click on uh, the events there. And then on, on January the 14th, I'll be kicking off another Man Church service uh, at Journey Church in Laurel, Mississippi. They're going to be doing the men's discipleship strategy. That's closer to you and you want to come, that's great. Uh, the 21st of January, I'll be in Leeds, Alabama for a men's event to First Baptist Church Leeds. Uh, on the 22nd, I'll join Johnny Hunt. We'll be together at Americus, Georgia. We'll be at Central Baptist Church for the men's steak dinner. Uh, so if you'd like to join us for that, tickets are available. That also can be found at BurgessMinistries.com. Under events, I'll be in Warrior, Alabama. They're kicking off the men's discipleship strategy from themanchurch.com at Crossroads Baptist Church on February the 7th. And then coming up February 19th and 20th, it'll be our second annual Pursuit Men's Conference. That's coming to the Dothan Civic Center. Because of COVID, seating will be limited to only 1,000 men, so we can spread you out. So don't put these tickets off. Rich Wingo will be there. Steve Farrar will be there. Brody Kroll will be there. I'll be speaking. Uh, Chris Adler, Michael Adler, uh, they'll bring a team uh, for praise and worship. They'll be there. The real Greg Burgess from the Rick and Bubba Show 
will be there helping to MC uh, the weekend. It's Friday and Saturday night, February 19th and 20th. Get those tickets now uh, by going to BurgessMinistries.com under upcoming events, or if you want to go directly to PursuitMensConference.org, you can do that as well. And we've got a lot coming up in 2021, so if you want to find out more, just go to BurgessMinistries.com, and you can click on events, and you'll see everything there. Let's open with a word of prayer and jump right into session three of Knowing God. Lord Jesus, uh, we know that uh, now more than ever, uh, our desire to know you uh, should be at an all-time high. And, and, and Lord, help us today as we try to figure out what in the world uh, is J.I. Packer talking about? What, what did you inspire him to write and to say about the difference in knowing about you and actually knowing you? Uh, and Lord, I pray for uh, our country. I, I pray for those that are hurting, that are watching and listening to this today, that there'll be something that happens today that they'll find out that the answer truly is only found in knowing you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you have the book by J.I. Packer, there it is, Knowing God, you can uh, go to chapter 3. Uh, I know sometimes a lot of you uh, just use the Bible study as your way to walk through the book, uh, kind of me taking my C student to uh, Calhoun County uh, way of explaining things, um, even sometimes very deep things, um, and I get it to, to where I can understand it, and hopefully that helps you to understand it. Uh, so that's what I'm attempting to do. So when we get into chapter 3, and the title of, of chapter 3 is uh, Knowing and Being Known. So one of the things that J.I. Packer takes on at the, at the beginning, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is he says, we were made to know God. I remember when I started unpacking this over my vacation, this really spoke to me because some of this, you know, it's it, you see things in Scripture, hear things in Scripture that seem so obvious, but sometimes you miss them. Uh, and, and I know in my case, it, it, was this, it was these verses I'm about to read to you. It says, we were made to know God. The aim of our life should be to know God. So let, let's talk about that for a minute. Is that, is that the aim of your life? I mean, the, the, I had to sit there, and, and I remember where I was sitting uh, in our kitchen at the, at one of the, at the little the table where you, know, you have the table that is really nice in a dining room that you never sit there unless it's a special occasion. Then you got that table that you and your family eat at every day. That's the one I was sitting at. Uh, and I was unpacking this, and I, you can see out in our backyard there and, and, and see the trees and see the backyard. And I had to ask myself a serious question. Is the aim of my life, at, at, at the most important thing in my life, is it to know God? Uh, I will tell you that it's more important in my life than it once was, but is it the focus of my life? Is that what I spend the most energy on? Is, is thinking to myself, like everything else is important to me, is there, is there an energy to know God, or if I was really honest, is it more, would it be better described if my life was, I want to know enough about God and maybe know God enough to be redeemed, and then if I can get that done, then I kind of go back to the things I really care about. I don't know that answer for you, and but I did sit there and ask myself this question. But then, uh, you know, uh, Packer then says, well, we'll listen to, to the Bibles talking about this concept of how important it is and how we were made to know God. You know, sin messed that up. You know, in the very beginning, you go back to Genesis, in the very beginning, you see that God had designed that he would be with us and we would be with him and we would be together and there wouldn't be any separation uh, and we would have this, this intimate, all-knowing relationship with God. And then sin separated us from a holy God and then, of course, he began to work out the plan of redemption and salvation to take us back 
into the presence of God. And see, that's been done for those that have been redeemed. We've been taken back uh, into the proper relationship with God, and then we begin to be, become sanctified as we, the more we know Him, and of course the, the power of Him then changes us into the people that only He can accomplish. And then we see we're headed back, uh, the new heaven and the new earth and the revelation, we're heading back to once again, He will be our God, we will be His people, and we will be with Him. So we're going back to the original intent. So John 17, 3, you, you might remember us talking about this, uh, in our study of the Gospel of John. Uh, here, here is uh, Jesus himself talking. And this is eternal life, that they, you know, this is the, the priestly prayer that he was praying over the disciples and for all of us, uh, you know, who, who would be redeemed. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, you know, he's praying out loud to his Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, of course him, whom you have sent. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So Jesus Christ, I now, you know, we talked about this a lot in, in the study of John. You know, there was a time when God spoke directly, then sin came, then there was a time he spoke through the prophets, and then when Jesus came, Jesus became the new mouthpiece for God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I'm now, everything I'm saying, I'm saying on behalf of the Father, the Father and I are one, and, of course, the Holy Spirit completes our triune God, and that's his presence and his power that's available now because of Jesus uh, to all of us. And he says that really eternal life is, I, brought, I came here, uh, Father, so that I could resolve the issue of their inability to know you. Now that I've redeemed them, eternal life will be that they know you, the one and only true God. So that, that's, that's why we were made. That's why we were redeemed. And, and when I started thinking about that, I got to tell you that 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 gave me a whole new look at this. And then you see in in the Old Testament talking about the prophets, Jeremiah uh, said the same thing in Jeremiah nine twenty three and twenty four. Listen what uh, the Lord said through uh, Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Now I want to clarify that because I think this is real important in the times that we're living in with all these so called. And I'm putting quotes around for those of you that can't see this. You're just listening to the audio. I'm putting quotes around the word prophet. Let, let me tell you where I, you know, people ask me, I got it just this week. You think this person's, what they said is prophetic? Think that's a, you know, I, I'm not the judge of that, but I'll tell you one of the things that I look at, I've never seen in scripture anywhere, and you see it here. This is the line, Jeremiah's using it, that prophets always use. This is what the Lord says. Well, then I, I've never found a true prophet that says, I don't know whether the Lord said this or not, but I had a dream. And it might be from the Lord or it might not. Uh, I think this is, could be from the Lord. I don't, I'm not saying it's from the Lord. Well, every prophet I've ever read, every single time throughout Scripture, always knows what they're about to say is what the Lord says. Even if they didn't fully understand it, they never had some confusion about where it came from. So I'm leery of any so-called prophet that is telling me they don't know whether this is from the Lord or not. Uh, I would be real leery of that. So here we go. This is what the Lord says. Jeremiah says this in chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this. Are you ready for this? So God is saying through Jeremiah, do not boast about this, this, and this. Then he says, 
If you want to boast about something, then boast about this. Wait a minute. I thought we weren't supposed to boast at all. Well, this goes back to this misconception, uh, this misconception about judging. Hey, the hey, Bible says don't judge anybody. You know, we've talked about that before. No, the Bible says don't judge incorrectly. Here's how you judge someone's behavior. Here's how you don't do it. Here's what a hypocrite does. Don't be a hypocrite. If you're going to judge, judge correctly. Make sure your own life's in order before you start talking about somebody else's. It doesn't say to never say something's wrong or what you're doing, uh, brother or sister, is wrong or what the world's doing is wrong or that's immoral. No, we're, we're, we absolutely do that. We just do that correctly. And so in this case, uh, Jeremiah is, is, is saying, the Lord wants me to tell you, if you want to be proud of something, the right kind of pride, not the wrong kind, because it's not about us, it says if you want the, something to truly be proud of, don't be proud of your wisdom. Don't be proud of, of your strength. Don't be proud of your wealth. If you want to be proud of something, let he un, who understands and knows me. There's somebody that's got something to be proud of. So Jeremiah says above everything, if, if the, the thing that everyone should desire is that we understand and know God. Jeremiah says this is what the Lord wants me to tell you. Uh, if you want to boast about something, boast about how well you understand and know him, which means what? He's given us the ability to. He hasn't hid himself from us. It's actually quite the opposite. Knowledge of God brings more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else. I'm going to say that again. To, to, to a world that keeps looking, to, to a man pointing at myself, who spent too much of, of, of his life, talking about me, I spent too much of my life thinking that there were things in this world that could bring me joy, delight, and contentment beyond God. And I got news for you from a man who's tried it all the wrong ways. Listen to me. I 100% agree with this assessment. There is nothing that brings more joy, delight, and contentment. In, in, there's nothing than knowledge of God. The more I know about God, the more joyful it is, the more I delight in it, and the more I am just content with him, period. He really is that one. And if you don't know he's that wonderful, because I, I didn't at one time in my life, and I'm, I'm, I, I get now excited about the next thing he's going to reveal to me about himself. I, I can't wait. I mean, it, 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 that's what drives me. And, and so he, that, that's what Jeremiah's talking about. That's what John said, Jesus said. Listen to what uh, Hosea said, uh, what gives God the most pleasure. Did you know that, that God takes pleasure in our pursuit of wanting to understand and know him? I did you know that? Listen to this, Hosea. I, this is God talking again through Hosea. This is what the Lord says. I desired the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. He's telling Hosea, tell the people, the burnt offerings, all that. Can I tell you what I desire more than that? I, I desire more than that, that they want maximum knowledge of me. I would rather them want to know me than to burn some offering to me. So see, what we've done is we've taken God too many times. I did this. And we've made him so standoffish. We, we, we've, we've created some incorrect vision of God that he's some stoic, distant father that honestly tolerates us but doesn't want anything to do with us. And he really doesn't care whether we know about him or not know about him if we just won't make trouble. That is not God. 
Hosea said, I'll tell you one thing God told me to tell you. The burnt offerings, all these rituals you're doing, they're great, but you know what he desires more than this? For you to want to know him. Well, if God takes pleasure in this and God desires this, let's do it. Let's say I'm in. Uh, so th this should be priority. I mean, th this should be something that, uh, you know, because can I tell you something? Th this is what this reminds me of. I remember when I was coaching sports, and I, I remember when the truth hit me, and it's all I really asked of anybody that I ever coached, and that was that they do what any of them could do. Look, their talent, I mean, their talent levels varied wildly, okay? Uh, their, their abilities to do certain things varied wildly. But you know what every single one of them could do? Every one of them. They could play hard. They could hustle. Everybody can. I mean, I, I used to say this all the time. There are things out here that do not require expertise or talent, and that is to go hard, to hustle, to do what you're told to do. Everybody can do that. So, you know, you're thinking to yourself, and you know, you know what every one of us can do? Pursue God. Every one of us can. You can go, well, I don't know that I'm a gifted speaker. So what? I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I'm a gifted writer. So what? I don't, who cares? You can pursue God, can't you? You can want to know God. You can have that desire, right? He says if you have a sincere desire to know them, to know him and you'll pursue him, you'll find him. And he takes pleasure in you wanting to do that. So this should be priority. Once we get this, this is great, and, and especially now, listen to this. Once we get this point, that this should be priority, and this becomes who we are, and this becomes what drives us to know God. I didn't say just to know about God, because this book talks about that all the time, but to know God. If you're willing to make that priority in your life, it will solve most of life's problems. Doesn't mean the problems won't come. Remember what Jesus said when he talked about in Matthew 7. When he started talking about the man who built his house on the rock versus the man who built his house on the sand, you may have known that childhood song. I remember singing it in Sunday school, in Bible school, the wise man built his house upon the rock, you know, and then the storms came. Well, here's the thing. Remember what Jesus said. The storms came on both houses. Some people incorrectly have interpreted this analogy and parable that Jesus is talking about that the wise man built his house upon the rock and the rain didn't come. It's foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rains came and flattened his house. No, the storms came on both houses. It's just the house that was on Jesus, the house that was on God, survived. It still had a storm. It's, the, it's, not, it's whether you survive the storm or not. And if we get this right, you'll survive the storm no matter what it is, because he really is that wonderful. He really is better than anything else you might lose. The larger goal, the more fulfilling the journey. Isn't that true? The larger the goal, the more fulfilling the journey. So you're saying, is, and I love this when J.I. Packer says this, is there a larger goal that exists than you saying my goal is to know God? Not to just know about God, but to know God. Can there be a larger goal? 
Well, it also will be one of the most fulfilling things because of its enormity. So what does knowing God look like in our lives? So what would this in, involve? And you, you find a lot of this um, in the book on, on pages 34, 35, and 36. And I've, I've underlined some of these things. Um, the more complex the object, the more complex is the knowing of that object. Uh, and, and he talks about this a little bit, about how demanding it can be and, and how you've you know, you got to know what you're getting yourself into. And, and he says, One does not know a living thing till one knows not merely its past history, which we're pretty good about. This is that knowing about God. But how it is likely to react and behave under specific circumstances. See, if we really know God, not just know about God, but we start to know his character. And we, we also begin to understand like, I can tell you this, a perfect example. Uh, like, there may be people that, that can go online and they can Google and they can find things out about me. You, know, you can go, I can find a, a lot about Rick Burgess, okay? But that doesn't mean you know me. You can, you can find a lot about me, but it doesn't mean you know me. See, when you know me like my wife knows me, see, you can go to my wife right now and give her a scenario. And you could say, in this scenario, what do you think Rick's going to do? You know what she'd say? Oh, I can tell you exactly what he's going to do. Now, how does she, how, see, she knows me. She didn't know about me. Why does she know how I'm going to react? Because she knows me. She, she has learned what my character is. She has learned my temperament. She has learned, uh, you know, like if, if Rick is in this situation, he's likely to do that. If, if this scenario presents itself, Rick's reaction will likely be like this. And see, God allows us to know the same things about him. Uh, you know, I, I, we say this a lot at our house, and we'll say, well, I tell you, if, if you look at this situation, you know, in God's character, God sees it this way. It's his character to do this. Oh, I don't think that's of God. Why? Because that's not, that's not really God's character to do this. And this is what he's talking about. So we, ha we have to take that on. So he says, now, if you're dealing with human beings, uh, you know, versus animals, he said, it doesn't take a lot to know like a horse. You can do that in a couple of days. He said, but in the case of human beings, the position is further complicated by the fact that unlike animals, you know, people keep secrets. See, when you're dealing with human beings, you may not know a human being really well because the human being won't allow you to. Human beings keep secrets from you. An animal doesn't do that, but human beings do. Uh, they, they, they don't show everybody everything that's in their hearts. Uh, a few days, like we say, is enough to know an animal as well as you ever know it, but you may spend months and years doing things in the company of another person and still have to say at the end of the time, I don't really know him at all. I can tell you that I have relationships and friendships, and I'm putting quotes up there, with people, and they've been people that I've known. Uh, I've, I've been around them for a lot of years, but honestly, I don't really know them. You know why? Because you're only going to know a human being as much as he or she allows you to. We deal with this in, in ministry all the time. Hey, do you want, do you want to be mentored? Uh, yes. Well, if you're going to be mentored, then you have to be willing to let the, men, the, 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 the mentor, if you're going to be the mentee, you've got to be willing to give permission to the mentor to speak into your life, and you've got to be transparent with them. Some people aren't willing to do that. So sometimes human beings won't allow you to know them. They'll just allow you to know about them uh, because they're not always going to tell you. Uh, and, and that's the reason why in human relationships versus animals, in human relationships, 
you can be around a human for an extreme period of time and never really know them. So it's much more complicated. So we recognize degrees in our knowledge of our fellow men, and I'm talking about mankind. We know them, we say, well, not very well, just to shake hands with or uh, maybe uh, you know, we know them a little bit better. This is that thing where acquaintances and strangers and friends, and, and so it varies how much that we know or how little we know about a person, but really based on how much time we spend with them. But don't forget this other. Also, you can spend a lot of time with somebody and still not know them. And men are very good at this. We keep relationships very surfacy. Uh, but, but if someone uh, allows you to know them, then you get that opportunity. But uh, our, our relationships with people can vary wildly and it's usually a direct result of them allowing us to know them. Uh, you, we, can, we can attempt to know somebody, but if they don't allow it, it's not going to happen. So, so now, how are we going to deal with this knowing of God? Because now this, this takes us to a position where now we're not, we're not we, we know we had a pretty easy time getting to know an animal. We have a much more difficult time getting to know a fellow human being, especially if they're not willing. Well, now, what about somebody that we're inferior to? We're, now we're talking about, let, let's put it on human terms first because he does in the book. He says, if we want to try to get to know, let's say, the president uh, of the United States, whoever that is at any given time, or if you're in one of these places where there's a king and queen still, you want to try to get to know uh, the king or the queen, well, we fully realize that it, that's going to be a matter for that person to decide, not us. If, if he confines himself or herself to just courteous formalities with us, uh, we may be disappointed uh, because we feel we're not able to, to uh, you know, uh, we can't really complain about this because we, ha we don't even claim to have a friendship with this person. We're at the mercy. It's even beyond our fellow man because we still might have some of a, we thought we had a friendship there. and We go, I thought we were friends. When it comes to someone who outranks you in, in life or is a powerful person, they never claim to be your friend to begin with. So if you're going to be a friend with them, it's totally up to them. Uh, and it says, so, but if this person begins to take you into his confidence, say it's a king uh, or, or some high-ranking person, that person begins to take you into his confidence or her confidence and, and tells you, frankly, what is on their mind and, and their matters of, 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 you know, their concern and they want to know about your concerns. If he goes on to invite and join us in a particular undertaking, uh, he's planned and asked us to make ourselves permanently available for this kind of collaboration whenever he needs us, then we start feeling kind of privileged, uh, and and we may it makes a world different a world difference in our general outlook, uh, because now we're thinking, hey, this person that is is high ranking and doesn't need anything from me, that this person doesn't need me has decided to come to me and to open himself up to me and bring me into his confidence and 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 want to hear my concerns and also share his concerns. He wants to open himself up to me. Well, now I'm starting to feel like a pretty big deal because of the person's power. So as far as it goes in an illustration, what it means to know God, listen to what Jeremiah said about this. Well, my God say through Jeremiah, as he did, let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, which is what we just talked about, about bragging, for knowing God is a relationship calculated to thrill a person's heart. So what happens is that all the Almighty Creator, the Lord of hosts, the great God, before whom all nations are, to, are a drop in the bucket, comes to you and comes to me and begins to talk to us through the words and the truths of the Holy Scripture, 
Perhaps you've been acquainted with the Bible and Christian truth for many years, and it's meant uh, very little to you. But one day you wake up to the fact that God is actually speaking to you. I'm, I'm holding up the scriptures right now. Here it is. God said, I've decided to tell you everything about me. I've decided to bring you into my confidence. I've decided that I want to tell you how I see things. I've decided I'm going to tell you who I am. And I've decided that I'm, going to sh I'm also going to share with you that you are of concern to me. I consider you valuable enough to die for. I want you to know that I'm the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Nations are dropping a bucket to me. But I have decided that I want you to know everything about me. Boy, you look at Scripture different then, don't you? You look at Scripture a lot different then. You come to realize that God is actually opening his heart to you, to me, making friends with you and me, and then is enlisting us as a covenant partner. What? Yeah. A covenant partner. Staggering. God is, 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 takes us on to his, you know, we, we, we're a team here at the Rick and Bubba Show and where I work, or you may be a team where you are, and, and we really see ourselves as a team. So, you know, there's, there's, there's different, you know, there's a hierarchy here, uh, you know, based on president of the company, vice president, all that. However, you, it, it's a lot different if, say, for instance, somebody says, uh, well, do you know, uh, like, Rick and Bubba? You know, that's the name of the show for those you may not know. And somebody says, yeah, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with them. But, but it's much different if you talk to someone, let's say you talk to Chris Adler, who, who's helping with this and works his tail off for, for everything we do here. And somebody says, well, do you know Rick and Bubba? And you say, he says, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the staff. Well, that's different. You're on the staff. Yeah, I'm on the staff. Okay, so you have a different relationship with them than I do. I do. I work with them every day. I've been invited on the journey. I, I work alongside them. Uh, so, so God, to use kind of a, it, it's not a very worthy analogy, but it works. And, and J.I. Packer even uses it. God says, I want you to know me. I want you to know everything about me. And by the way, I'm going to make you a covenant partner, and I'm going to bring you onto the staff for you to do my work. Wow. So when you start thinking like that, and you say, well, Rick, now does Scripture really say that? Yeah. I mean, look at 1 Corinthians 3, 9. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers, meaning that we are God's building. We, we are God's workers. We are, we are doing his business. And notice it says fellow workers. That's a pretty big deal. And, and see, this is the relationship that God has decided, he, he had to decide it, that he would allow us. And so now we find ourselves transferred to a position of trust in the service of God. Because God's church is, is if you're redeemed, it's you. Uh, I, I've been redeemed by Christ, it's me. Uh, you know, we're, 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 the, we're the building, we're, 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 the, we're the field where things take place. Uh, we're, go, we're to go out to do the harvest of those that are lost and, and advance the kingdom of God and, and take the gospel to a dying world. So, and I thought this was a great idea. We talk about this a lot in men's ministry about why don't we make this a priority in our life. If you talk to someone, and they should, let me be clear, they should. 
If you talk to someone who has served our country, you know what? There should be a sense of pride about that. I, I look at people who have served in the military, have been to war, and I see them in a different light than I see myself because I've never done that. Uh, and I, I do hold them in very high regard, rightfully so. But I think it's odd that we would take um, you know, pride in just that, but we take no pride in serving the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the great I am, the beginning and the end. See, I may never serve my country in the military. That opportunity, either I refuse to do it or I might not have ever been offered that opportunity. But I've been offered the opportunity to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And why don't we take any pride in that? Why isn't that a big deal to us? So, so now, yeah. So, tell me about you. What, what, what's your, what, 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 where have you served? Did you serve in Vietnam? I didn't. Uh, did you serve in World War One or Two? I didn't. You served in Korea? No, Iraq. I, I didn't. So, where do you serve? With the Lord of Heaven and Earth. <laughs> That's who I serve. The Lord of Heaven and Earth. And I got news for you. I'm thankful for our country, and I'm thankful for what uh, those have done to afford me the freedoms that I have here. But if I'm just being frank, this country pales in comparison to the kingdom of God. It pales in comparison. And we all have access to serve the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So listening to God's word is one of the ways that we know God. And receiving it as the Holy Spirit interprets it, its application uh, to, to, to oneself. Second, noting God's nature and character as his word and works reveal it. Third, accepting his invitations and doing what he commands. Fourth, recognizing and rejoicing in the love that he has shown and thus approaching you and drawing you into his divine fellowship. So knowing God inv involves listening to God's word and receiving it as the Holy Spirit interprets it applying it to ourself. Second, noting God's nature and character, knowing him to the point that we know how he sees things as his word and works reveal it. Third, accepting his invitation and doing what he commands, being about his work. Fourth, recognizing and rejoicing in the love that he has shown and thus approaching us and drawing us into a divine fellowship. These are all ways that we get to know God. Next, what's part of knowing God? You got to know Jesus. You got to know Jesus. The Bible puts flesh on these bare bones. It tells us that we know God in a manner of a son knowing his father, a wife knowing her husband, a subject, his king, and a sheep knowing its shepherd. These are the four main analogies that are employed. This is Jesus. God coming to us when we could not come to him, taking on flesh and blood and saying, if you want to get to know uh, the Lord of Lord and the King of Kings and, and you want to get to know the Lord of heaven and earth, I'm here in flesh and bones. I am the Son. I'm here to bring you into that proper relationship. Now, for the disciples, it was pretty straightforward involving Jesus. Um, he chose each and every one of them. He gave himself to them. Uh, he showed them that he was God, and, and they at times were in awe. You know, these times when he, he calms the storm and Peter begins to say, hey, I'm, 
I'm unworthy to even be here with you. All this were things that he did to show that he was God, raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, he, he brought them into his confidence. Uh, he, he, he enrolled them as his agents to declare to the world the kingdom of God. Uh, and this transformed their lives. It completely transformed. Uh, Mark, write these down. Mark 3, 14. Uh, you see Mark documenting what Jesus said about them and how he sent them out to preach. Uh, Matthew 16, 16. You see Peter acknowledging that he's in the presence of the one and only living God, the Son of God. Uh, and then you see in John 6, 68, uh, this is when everybody leaves Jesus because his teaching started getting harder and he turns around to the, to the 12 and says, why didn't y'all leave too? Peter, he says, hey, we got nowhere else to go. Where are we going to go? We see the things you've done. We, we, we watch what you have done. Where else are we going to go, uh, Lord, to see that? I'll, I'll give you exactly how he said it because it was beautiful. And, and this is the relationship that he allowed uh, the, uh, the disciples to have with him. Listen to what uh, Simon Peter said uh, when, God, when Jesus asked them, do you want to go away as well? Because many no longer walk with him. And Simon Peter said in John 6, 68, write this down. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hey, where are we going to go, Jesus? you got the words of eternal life. You're bringing us into a relationship with God that we've never experienced before. The New Testament tells us that Jesus Christ is risen, and now his power, the Holy Spirit, is loose, and anyone can experience the same kind of relationship with him as the disciples had in the days of God in the flesh. Once he walked out of that tomb, it was a game changer. The Holy Spirit came down on, uh, on, the, original, uh, on, on the original 11 and then a 12th that had been added. And then from that moment on, we now have been given access to the same relationship with Jesus Christ that they had. They saw him in flesh and, and bone. The, how about this? Our relationship with Jesus is just as powerful. It's not physical, but it's still spiritual. The Holy Spirit is available to us just like it was available to them. And now we have been given the same assignment that they have been given. And I think sometimes when we look around and I see the, the lack of power in the followers of Jesus Christ, and I know this happened in my life for far too long, I think that the, the, the problem that, I, that we have is that we don't recognize this. We think somehow, you know, this is what I talk about a lot, that this is the reason why we keep referring uh, to the disciples when they didn't have it right, and we rarely refer to them after Pentecost because the, the standard gets much higher. But after Pentecost is where we are. You've heard me say this before, and, and we have access to that same relationship with Jesus. And as we've said a thousand times, if you don't feel an intimate, powerful relationship with the one and only living God through Jesus Christ, it could simply be you don't know him because he's too powerful for you to still be the same, for me to still be the same. The only difference between them and us is, as I said, we can't see him with our physical eyes, but we know his power. Second, the Christian, building on the New Testament witness, knows from the start those truths about the deity and atoning sacrifice of Jesus, which the original disciples grasped only gradually over a period of years. We already know who he is when we're reading the Holy Scriptures. They had to learn it as they go. We, we've actually, we know the whole deal. Third, that Jesus, 
his way of speaking to us now is not by uttering fresh words, rather by applying to our consciousness the words of, of his that are already recorded in the Gospels together with the rest of the biblical testimony to himself. But knowing Jesus Christ still remains a definite, as definite a relation of personal discipleship as it was for the twelve when he was on earth. The Jesus who walks through the gospel story walks with Christians now, and knowing him involves going with him now just as it was then. That's exactly what I was talking about. J.I. Packer says we act, we're acting like something changed. The only difference between us and the disciples is we have the entire scriptures now. We know that the entire Bible from the beginning to the end is about Jesus. We know the full story. They only knew part of it. But everything else, listen to what Jesus said in John 10, 27. You remember we talked about this analogy. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. His voice is his claim, his promise, and his call. I'm the bread of life, the gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection. This is all found in John 6, John 10, John 14, and John 11. He who does not honor the Son, listen, does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That's John 5, 23 through 24. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. That's Matthew 11, 28, 29. Jesus' voice is heard when Jesus' claim is acknowledged, his promise trusted, and his call answered. I'm going to say that again. So, so w- when do we know we have it right? When are we hearing the voice of Jesus? Here's when. When Jesus' claim about who he is is acknowledged, his promise is trusted, his call on your life is answered. We talked about this on the show today. Well, this thing that uh, Johnny Hunt, and I'm so honored to be with him on January the 22nd in America's Georgia, I just watched a message from Johnny back, um, uh, I guess it was back in the Christmas season that just passed, and, and he's saying, look, when did we declare that the, the, the church was not essential? Not meeting together was essential. And the point he made is, you know, in this country right now, we're at 350,000 deaths, you know, some directly to uh, the pandemic, some maybe died with the, the, the disease, may not have died of the disease, but they're dead. So we know 350,000 people, and he said, by all accounts, if you just look at the percentage of people in this country that are truly redeemed and the things that they can find out about these people, that 85% of them uh, did not know Christ. So, I mean, do we care that, that, that over 200,000 people are eternally separated from God? And Jesus said, well, you sh- why didn't they know? Or did they, if they rejected it, fine, but, but what, did you even tell them? I mean... You, you, you may, so you, you see, you got to have it all. You may say, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Okay. Do you believe that he fulfilled the promise? Yes. Do you believe you'll be redeemed? Yes. Did you follow his command in your life? No. But then Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commands. Why aren't we advancing the gospel? I mean, I said on the, the show today, if, if I got on the air uh, t- tomorrow and I knew that there was a, some supplement you could take to strengthen your immune system to the point you wouldn't get COVID, I wouldn't shut up about it. And people would be clamoring me to tell them, what was that? What was that product called? Where is it? How do you get it? Well, you know what? You can have the best immune system in the world. You're still going to die. You're still going to die. You may not get COVID, but you're going to die. Or you may get COVID like I had and have a 
somewhat of a minor experience with it, but I'm still going to die. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he still just died again. Being raised from the dead was not what made Jesus great. Redeeming Lazarus is what made Jesus great. Eternal life for Lazarus is what it's all about. And that's what it's all about for you and for me, and I don't know why we're not taking that message with a fervor to anyone who listens. So we are the sheep, and if we really hear his voice, we do all of it. We just don't do some of it. And like I said, he says his yoke may be easy, but we're still under his yoke. What is a disciple? You've heard me say this. A person who says what Jesus says to say and does what Jesus says to do. And if you want to know God, you've got to know and love Jesus. So let's summarize. Okay? Knowing God is a matter of personal dealing. Okay? We must get beyond knowing about him. Yes, we must know about him, but that is simply a necessary precondition of trusting in him. Let's say that again. Okay? Yes, we must know about him because we don't know about him. We can't even get started. That, that's a prerequisite for us to eventually trust him, Romans 10, 14. But the width of our knowledge about him is no gauge of our knowledge of him. Let me say that again. The width of our knowledge about him is no gauge of our knowledge of him. You can have all the right notions in your head, Without, without ever tasting in your heart the realities to which they refer. And listen to this, and this is good news, okay? This is one of the things I couldn't wait to tell you this week. Because I know right now, just the way human beings are, some of you are trying to understand this lesson and you still don't have it. Where we're going, I think this is going to help. I hope it does. You're out there right now going, my goodness, I've got to become some theologian. I got to go to seminary. I got to find some way to pay for that. I got to do, I got to take some class. I got to do this. I got no. That that's not what Jay, that's not what this book is about. Those things are great if you feel called to that. But it's not that's not knowing God. That's knowing a lot about God and it's important. But listen. J.I. Packer says it beautifully. A simple Bible reader and sermon hearer who is full of the Holy Spirit, will develop a far deeper acquaintance with his God and Savior than a more learned scholar who is content with being theologically correct. Come on now. You got I hope that helped you as much as it did me. You hear what he's saying? If, if some person's pursuit of education about God is just to always be theologically correct or to show us how many things they know about the history of the Bible or the things of the Bible, and all that's good stuff. But it's only good stuff if it leads to a more intimate relationship with God, not so you can have the right answer. Now, a fervent Bible reader and a fervent sermon hearer who is full of the Holy Spirit is how you develop a far deeper acquaintance with God and Savior than the most learned scholar who is content with being theologically correct. And that's the key. You, man, I love learning, and I am trying to learn, but I'm not learning just to be content with learning. I'm trying to learn so I can know God better. 
That, that, that's, that's why I want to learn. Number two, and this is the one we miss on a lot, knowing God is a matter of personal involvement. I mean, you you got to take action. James chapter 4, the verse that saved my life, submit, resist, come near. Action, action, action. Remember, James is talking to a church. He said, y'all claim to be redeemed by Jesus. I don't see it. i tell you what you need to do. You need to submit yourself then to God. You need to resist the devil. He'll flee from you. You need to come near to God so he can come near to you. Action, 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 right out of the Bible. Knowing God is a matter of personal involvement. To get to know a person, we have to commit ourselves to his company and his interests and be ready to identify ourselves with his concerns. So you're not going to know God if you aren't willing, willing to get involved. you got to get your hands dirty. You got to roll around in the Holy Spirit. You you got to get to know. You got to you got to start reading. You got to start listening. You got to start pursuing. You've heard me use this analogy before. Can you imagine? Can you imagine me telling you that I knew my wife and I loved my wife, and the only time I ever saw her was a, an hour or two on Sunday? That's it. Reed, do you know Sherry? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, I, I know Sherry. She's your wife, right? Absolutely. Most important earthly relationship on earth. How often, how much time do you spend with her? Uh, maybe an hour, sometimes two, on, mo well, some Sundays. You know, if it doesn't rain or something. Uh, do you think I really know my wife? Do you think I understand her concerns? Do you think I become interested in what she's interested in? No. I tell my sons this when they start asking me about dating women. And I say, the best advice I can, do, can, can give you is to be interested in her. Ask her what she's interested in. Find out what she cares about. They love that. Well, yeah, I guess they would. It means you're, you're actually taking an interest in them. Well, God uh, is, is wondering why you don't care what his interests are. Like I said on the show this week, and it didn't take me long to get in trouble right out of the gate. When are we going to start being more concerned about offending God than we are about offending people? We, we're, we're more in, in fear of offending a human being than we are offending God. That's, and anybody who feels that way doesn't know God. It pains me to hear God be blasphemed now. Psalms 34, 8 says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, you got to get involved and not just look at a dish if you want to know if it's any good. Can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody taking a dish and putting it in front of you and somebody says, does that taste good? And you look at it and go, I guess. Yeah, oh, yeah, it tastes good. Have you ever tasted it? Mm -mm. So you didn't get a bite? Uh -uh. So tell me how good it is. Ah, I don't really know. It looks good. Probably is good. No, for me to tell you if it's any good, i got to taste it. And then I say, man. <laughs> and, and the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. you got to know him to know whether he's good. It's not a religious feeling. It's not uh, a, an experience getting to know God. Some, one of the most convicting um, couple of verses in the Bible, but I think now that we're doing the series uh, Knowing God, I think there's going to be a word that's really going to jump out to you. You've heard me reference 1 John many times because it's an incredibly convicting 
book where John has had enough of people claiming to know Jesus but acting as if they don't. And in 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 through 6, listen to the key word that you may have missed the last time that I read this to you because we weren't in this study. Whoever says, I know him. Not until we did this study, I mean, I, I knew that that, you know, we talked about abiding and all that because we talk about that coming up later too. But here's the study calling knowing God, and, and here's a study saying knowing about God is not the same as knowing God. And here's John saying, whoever says that I know him, whoever says they know God, but they do not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth's not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God, is perfected. Listen to this. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him or knows him are to walk in the same way in which he walked. You can't claim to know God and then behave otherwise. John says, whoever, whoever says I know him but doesn't keep his commandments is a liar. So knowing God is a matter of personal dealing. We've got to get beyond knowing about him. Knowing God is a matter of personal involvement. We've got to take action in our lives. We've we, we got to get to know God. And knowing God is also, of course, with all of us, because of his holiness and our sinfulness, knowing God will always be a matter of grace. It is a relationship in which the initiative throughout is with God, as it must be. Since God is so completely above us and we have so completely forfeited all claim on his favor by our sins, we can approach God all we want to. But if he is not willing to accept us through grace, we have no hope. God didn't have to agree to give us the ability to know him. We do not make friends with God. God makes friends with us. Jesus said, you know, that everybody that comes to, to him, the Father draws them to him, bringing us to know him by making his love known to us. Galatians 4, 9, Paul says this, Now that you know God, or rather are known by God, Paul's saying, look, now, now, now that you've been known by God, now that you know God, he's allowed you to know him. So grace has to come first. I mean, it remains fundamental in our salvation. It always has, it always will. God is fully aware of us, knowing us through and through. It appears from the contrast between our imperfect knowledge of God and his perfect knowledge of us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 12 tells us about this. But it's, it's, it's not the main meaning. The main meaning comes out in, in passages like the following. Listen to what the Lord said to Moses, I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. This is Exodus thirty-three seventeen. The Lord said to Moses, I'm pleased with you, and I know you by name. So he knew Moses before Moses ever knew him. Listen to what he said to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's Jeremiah 1, 5. Also speaks a lot to where life begins. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And I lay down my life for my sheep. 
my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they shall never perish. That's in John 10, 14 through 15, and also verses 27 and 28. God's knowledge of those who are his is associated with his whole purpose of saving mercy. It is a knowledge that implies personal affection, redeeming action, covenant faithfulness, and providential watchfulness toward those whom God knows. It implies, in other words, salvation now and forever will always start with grace. How about knowing that he is gracious? But then we also, as we get through this study, we also have to know that we have to know every aspect of his character, his holiness, his justice, yes, his wrath. But it all starts with grace. Because without grace, we can never start that process. We're not allowed to know him. So I hope this has uh, meant as much to you as it has to me. And I, and I hope it inspires you to kind of how we started this whole thing. Is that uh, the desire to know God, because he already knows you and he already knows me. The desire to know God should be at the center of our lives. At the center. What, what if you took your life and you changed it and you took all these things that you made priority and you just said, I'm going to simplify my life and I'm going to build off a foundation of knowing God. I want to know him. And I'm going to, to fervently access everything about him that he has made available to me. It'll change your life. He really is that wonderful. And to know him is to love him, and to love him is to obey him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this lesson today. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's amazing, Lord, that we have this opportunity to know you, that you allow us this. It's, it's incomprehensible. But thank you. Today, Lord, let's just say that. Let's just say thank you. On our worst day, let's just say thank you. Because on, on the worst day that we could ever experience, and we've all had some rough ones, and there's rough ones to come. As long as we know you and we understand who you are and what you've done, everything really is going to be all right. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If I can help you with any follow-up questions or if something's being prompted in your heart that you'd like for me to walk with you and help you, I'm available. Rick at rickandbubba.com. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us today.